Rise and shine, Mr. Freeman. Rise and shine. Welcome back to the Mouse and Joystick Podcast here on Podcast Empire Network's channel. I am your host, Kyle, and of course, joining me as always, my lovely co-host, Noah and Michael. How are the two of you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing amazing today. Amazing? Why is that? Uh, Because I go on vacation at the end of this week. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how often do you go on vacation in, like, April? That seems a little out of the normal for me, but I don't know. I'm curious. It's uh, common for me and my family just for spring break. For it, it, Spring break just normally coincides with um, everyone's schools, so it all lines up to where we all have one week off. So, uh, Okay, that makes sense. All right, then. Because it's tied into our high school, isn't it? Yeah. Luckily enough, my... My school also has the same week, so yeah, my my siblings and I all have the same week off. So my mom decided it'd be a good idea to go on vacation again. Well, awesome! That should be a good time then. But in the meantime, we've got we got some games to talk about, got some news to talk about. But first, I just want to just want to point out how crazy the past two months have been, just in terms of game releases. I mean, even if you haven't had a chance to really look at them, the number of high-quality releases has already, like, rivaled that of the entire last year. In, like, a three-month three month period, almost. Yeah. I mean, let alone, if, like, if you're a fan of open-world games, like uh, we are, uh, the number of open-world games with lots to do has also been extra incredible. Uh, just like notable examples include Horizon Zero Dawn, Legend of Zelda, uh, Mass Effect, drama and stuff along that line. So lots of lots of good stuff, and uh, it'd be nice if we uh, one day had enough time to actually get to play in these games because they take so damn long. Need a couple months. <laughs> Is that what your vacation is all about, Michael? Uh, if I had a Switch, then yes, but I do not. <laughs> so... <laughs> it's the future, I tell you. Anyways, let's uh, let's get to some of the news that has happened since the last time we did a show. Um, nothing really super amazing, like nothing that just gets me going, you know. Um, small little tidbit: uh, the CEO of Telltale Games has stepped down. Uh, curious to see how it's going to affect the production of future Telltale games, since they've just been kind of pushing them out like. I don't know, train work or whatever the phrase is for that. Maybe this will be different. Who knows? I think they're still selling pretty good. So be curious to see if the new person decides to keep, keep at that or if they want to change what they've been doing. And uh, we already mentioned it, but Horizon Zero Dawn came out recently and we've been having a good time with it. At least Michael has. I, I haven't had a chance to play. I don't know about Noel either, but um, 
it's been selling well enough that uh, Guerrilla Games has already confirmed that there is an expansion in the works for that. Uh, so it's nice to see a new IP come out and do successful, and it's uh, going to begin lots of post-release support like that. Definitely awesome to see. Uh, in terms of future stuff to look forward to, apparently there was a job posting from Game Freak looking for potential Switch developers on a project that they described as a globally popular RPG game. And considering considering the only globally popular popular RPG games Game Freak has ever worked on is Pokemon, might be safe to assume there is a Pokemon game being worked on for the Switch. And that would make me go out and buy a Switch for sure. It would it would make sense. Because uh, the Switch is almost like it's almost like a, a new like DS almost. It's just cut in half. Yeah, like yeah. you can take it wherever has less battery life than a D- well i don't know does it have about the same battery life as a ds it has less battery life but it also runs off of car chargers so that's yeah. something to consider uh, the, the switch is like they took the idea of a ds and was like well we need to make it like people want you know good graphics and they want these awesome huge games like so we need to make a ds where you can have that and now i i feel like it it definitely uh the next step for pokemon to be like here's a this. here's or a conspiracy at least thing. do like a pokemon snap yeah, why is that not a thing yet yeah no one knows like they have not said here's the thing like i have been playing a little bit of breath of the wild on my switch just a little bit but the thing i thought was kind of cool is if you have the motion controls on you can actually hold the the switch up like a tablet and you can like move the move it around if you're taking a picture i was like Man, I wish I could be like moving this switch around trying to take pictures of Pokemon right now. That'd be that'd be incredible. It's like they perfectly designed it to be made for Pokemon Snap, but I mean I thought the same thing about the Wii U and that never panned out. Yeah. That's I'm like, oh my well, god, it's a tablet with a camera on it. It's gonna be amazing for Pokemon. Nope. Here's a conspiracy theory for you. They released Pokemon Go to make sure everyone bought a portable charger just so that they could sell people switches later on. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, can a portable charger really handle charging the switch very much? Depending on which one you bought. I mean, if you just went and bought one of the 5 or $10 ones, probably not. But for the, the truly hardcore, if like the triple packs, you, you could probably do it. I could see it. It was all in their plan. <laughs> That's how far down the pipeline they're looking. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so moving on from that little rumor mill, if you want to call it that. Uh, good old games, the... Uh, what do you want to call it? The DRM-free PC gaming store recently made a big update to their client, and it's left a beta phase. Uh, one of the coolest features they added was actually the ability to have global cloud saves for all games. Um, so, which, which, you know, which means it's, we're, we're reaching that era where you can just, you don't have to worry about your saves on your computer anymore. They're just always in the cloud. I think that would be a, a cool thing that Steam should eventually implement, but 
guess that's that remains to be seen. Considering games are getting bigger and bigger, I I totally agree with this. I was I was kind of sad when uh, a couple months ago I lost my Dark Souls three playthrough. The save just <laughs> just went missing. So I had to replay the entire game from scratch. Not that it was a bad experience or anything like that, but it would have been nice to just have had that save file if I wanted to use it for something. So how how does the interfacing work on that? It's not bad actually. Um, I don't know if I'd prefer over Steam, just because Steam is so much more convenient. But the fact that you can get your stuff on their DRM free and it works in offline mode without any without having to jump through any hoops is always nice. Uh, but I, I'm gonna say that competition is always a good thing, and good old games definitely is stepping up a bit and making making a good case or at least giving the platformer chance. So is it like built into the game where it gives you an option in the UI to save to the cloud or do you have to set like a I'm, specific? I want to say that if you launch the games through their desktop client, it'll automatically have oh, the saves. The yeah. You can download this stuff from the website, but the the client is optional. But I'm going to I was going to argue what's the difference of just saving it to like your Google Drive or Dropbox or something. Right. Yeah, if, if 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 you had to go through that and like manually select where to save, it probably wouldn't be worth it. But can't say for sure. That's just this is what I suspect because I don't think they actually detail how it works. But that would make the most That's sense. It's kind of nice. It's like a console console uh, perk that carries over to the PC. Yeah. Of course. Uh, other good stuff we have to talk about is the announcement of StarCraft Remastered at long last. There have been rumors about this for the past couple of months. It finally happened. And in addition to the announcement of StarCraft Remastered, they said, well, Blizzard said that the uh, standard edition of the original StarCraft is going to be free to play through their uh, through their client on PC. And it's actually going to be supporting official matchmaking now, which it's the game has always struggled with since like the early 2000s. No one Ooh. ever actually played on the official servers. They always played on the like hacked, well, not the hacked, but like the modded Korean servers and stuff like that. So, yeah, for those that wanted to relive the glory days of RTS games, this is probably one of the biggest deals you could have hoped for. And I'm kind of impressed how they are handling it. Like even they said that uh, the code is so similar to the re in the remastered edition that like replays and maps from the original game will pour over without any hiccups. Wow. But they also have like the updated graphics too. I don't know how they pulled that off. You would, you would think like converting a replay into widescreen with like 4K textures would kind of cause an issue but apparently not I mean I guess because with RTS's they have it's so much different than like uh, the graphics of a normal game like it's zoomed out there's already gonna be they already have it programmed to handle that many uh, different like little characters running around I guess I don't know how much it would change to uh change that from like 
a crappy. I don't. I don't know how 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 old is StarCraft the first one? Uh, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, that is pretty astounding that it can go from those the night the ninety eight. Nineteen ninety eight, where they barely had, they didn't, did they didn't even have ten eighty p back then, did they? No, that would like what three sixty. Yeah, if that <laughs> VHSs. Wow. Pretty I will awesome. say, I will say though, four eighty was the standard for HD till like two thousand four, wasn't it? I believe so. Good times <laughs> when you could release a four eighty p video and consider it HD. 1720p was probably up to like 2007-ish. All right. Because Blu-rays didn't really come into their own until dawn of the 2010s. Yeah. That was like the new thing. Yeah. You buy like a $400 Blu-ray player. (laughs) Back when it was cheaper to buy a PS3. At launch. I will say though, uh, StarCraft, a bit being free to play, it's actually worth it for the campaign alone. It's a pretty solid campaign, good story, good mission structure. Like, it's worth checking out for those that like RTSs. I mean, it's free. You don't really have a lot to lose on it. Uh, ooh. This is another one that's been on the, the rumor mill for a while, and it finally was confirmed, but. Uh, Bungie has confirmed the existence of a Destiny 2, including a short little teaser trailer for a character called Cade 6, who I don't know if they're a pre-established character from one of the expansions or whatnot, but it seems like the character is full of energy and quite entertaining to listen to. And I hope that's something that translates to the rest of the game. There are a lot of people who always talked about how Destiny lacked in character and story. Oh. I mean, if it's uh, if it's focusing more on story, I I probably look into it. But I played the first one; and it just felt so repetitive. It's like uh, you'd go to a different zone, and then you had access to the entire zone, but you just go to the small section for a mission, right? But then you go back to that same area and just go to a different zone. It's like. It really was like know. a MMO first-person shooter. Yeah, it felt like uh, a glorified firefight mm. from like Halo days. Michael, you played... Uh... Literally go somewhere, kill someone, come back, get your loot, go somewhere, kill someone, come back, get your loot. It sounds like a boring mission structure. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I would like something like that in a single-player setting. It would have to be in co-op. Yeah, I... I've had a lot to say about Destiny. Oh, let's see. Let's hear it. The other one. What's what's the other one? Division. <laughs> they both start with D's. So duh. And, uh, <laughs> I I've had I've said a lot about it before and how I don't like it. I I do. I mean, I do like the innovation that taking from PC games and now making it into consoles. Like it's a it's a. I don't know. You sound frustrated almost. It's frustrating. I like it, but I also hate it. Um, Concept to take from uh, grind games and put them into FPS 
I don't know. They, they the way they did it was actually almost more repetitive. It felt like than the way other games have perfected it. So maybe in Destiny Two they could, you know, streamline it a bit better. So like it didn't feel as repetitive. Change up some things. Make it make it so loot is actually more available because I also heard in Destiny I was never one to actually get into the grindiness of it because I didn't want to waste that time. Um. But I heard, grind I heard was that, real. I heard that, yeah, like, you got less legendaries or even whatever rarities um, than, like, any other game that, that, like, would do the rarity system for weapons and armor. Like, it was so hard to get um, the rare things that you would have to play, like, five, six hours before you even got one thing. So maybe if they step it up a bit in the next one, I mean, I don't see what Bungie really has to lose as to giving people more things. I mean, it's not like... They they made it so that in the multiplayer, everyone's the same level and your guns do... Like, they reduce the damage for guns in multiplayer, so hmm. um, it's more equal and fair. So there's not too much of a point for them to really, you know, keep the good things from you. So Right. That and the classes almost felt identical that uh yeah when it got to the only thing that was different was like their ultimate ability and even those were kind of underwhelming yeah the only thing different was the from the classes was the ultimate like had a certain jump a certain melee a certain grenade um but they were all like they they had those things and then so like they all played the same except for their ultimate ability so it just yeah. felt like a retexture of different classes basically and it was even worse with uh, the division because it was literally only the gun. Only the guns was the difference, and then the you did have abilities, but like none of them were game changing or helpful. Interesting. Still seems like this reading some of the comments. There's a lot of excitement for the upcoming Destiny Two. I'm some really oh, curious. I'm really curious to see how people are gonna react to it or see if Bungie see how they uh how they react to all the criticism the first one was getting. I I'm not surprised that there it's getting a lot of hype because the fan base for Destiny and the division, they uh I don't know if it grew too much. I think it probably like got to a size and then stayed about the same size, but they are very aggressive when it comes to defending their games. And uh, it's 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 a weird fan base that uh, I hadn't seen all, since like the Diab like playing Diablo and like I'm like I don't think I could ever be one of those people to just go through dungeons and dungeons and dungeons again. Um, I mean I sort of see the appeal, but I don't see the waste of time as being good for to be like right. I I have so many other games anyway to play. But uh, yeah, the fans are uh, definitely got its niche. Yeah, the there's a niche for it, but hit like they didn't. I guess there was not a spot for them in games until those games came out, and uh, people uh, they tend to blow up on people who talk bad about their games, which happens a lot. But I just see it a lot with like <laughs> Destiny. Right. The rumor I've 
in hearing from like leaked posters and stuff is that the game could be on track for a September release, but I mean, it, that seems like right in line with what Bungie usually does, but I guess we'll have to see. Uh, apparently, there's a trailer coming out on the 30th for the game. That's probably when they'll announce the dates for uh, at least the beta, imagine. Yeah, so keep an, keep an eye on the, the social medias there, and you'll probably hear at least someone talking about it. Speaking of something that people will probably be talking about for a while, uh, there's been some leaks about the identity of the newest Call of Duty game to have hit the web. And rumor has it they're not necessarily following in Battlefield's footsteps, but taking a similar stride and going back in time to one of the classic warriors, classic modern wars. Uh, they would be going to World War II back to the roots of Call of Duty in a sense. Curious to see, or curious to hear what you guys have to think about a modern World War II Call of Duty game. I mean, uh, we haven't seen Sledgehammer do one yet, so I'm interested to see what they do with it. Uh, I don't know if they'll go bare, bill, bare bones route and just put in, like, you know, you're in a map with shooters with, you know, X number of guns, number of equipment, or if they'll try and incorporate some of the newer things that have come into first-person shooters over the last couple of years. We'll the see. Battlefield 1 tackled it, and they didn't really do any fancy stuff. It worked out for the people who enjoy the game. So, I can definitely appreciate that. Um, yeah, it'd be kind of weird if they just took what Call of Duty has been currently doing with the focus on a lot of mobility and stuff. That doesn't work in World War II at all, unless you do like an alternate history World War II, where technology gets mixed with classical stuff. I don't know. It'd be strange if they had like jump packs and wall running in a World War II game. So I'm almost certain if uh, the World War II rumors are true that they'll go with hopefully a more traditional Call of Duty experience, more boots on the ground. I mean, there's there'll still probably be more kill streaks and attachments and unlockables than there needs to be, but it seems like that's that's more of the direction they're going in. If that is the case, I'm definitely interested. I'd I'd like to see how they pull that off. Especially considering, I feel like the Call of Duty fan base is a group of people that would notice if there's less stuff than from the previous game, less stuff to do, less stuff to unlock. May take that as a negative. I guess I guess we'll have to see. Um, they usually do some sort of big reveal event for Call of Duty sometime this spring, if I remember correctly. So we'll probably begin some official confirmation on that here shortly. We'll probably hear something for sure at E3. Oh, yeah, for sure. They, they've always liked to have their big uh, gameplay reveals there, usually. If I remember. Out for... Oh, it's Call of Duty, not Battlefield? Darn. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, the uh, when they did the trailer, or oh, the gameplay demo for uh, Infinite Warfare, people were like, what is this space combat game? It looks awesome. Oh... Ooh. Call of Duty. Uh, it looked a lot less awesome. Oh, this doesn't look at all like the trailer we saw, but it looks decent, actually. 
Oh, did anybody pick it up? I know Kyle, I think you picked it up, didn't you? Yeah, I, I picked up Infinite Warfare, and honestly, it was not that bad. It was pretty decent as far as uh, Call of Duty games go. Maybe not the multiplayer side of things. I'm I'm speaking more about the single player. Multiplayer wise, it's same same shit, different day kind of scenario. Yeah, I I got it, and the campaign was actually pretty good. Multiplayer is exactly the same as uh, Black Ops Three. Well, not exactly, but it's almost copy paste. And uh, zombies was. It was weird, <laughs> to say the least. It was. Yeah. I almost I got saw the a deal on, on it for like forty bucks to get the Infinite Warfare and Modern Warfare. What I'm picking it up. Hmm. The Modern Warfare bastards, for some reason, seemed off. I don't know what it was, but it just didn't seem right to me when I was playing it. Did you hear that the Activision's charging people for the map pack for that? Uh, the remastered? Really? Oh it, my god, how much? $10. Like, Here, do you want to... Those actually came with the game. <laughs> Here. They weren't even DLC in the first time. Here, here's some DLC for this game that's been out for like 10 years and you've already bought the DLC for it, so buy it again. Good old Activision, always, uh, always trying to sneak into your wallet. So. Like those money grubbing apps that are out. <laughs> Charge them for everything. Unfortunately, the thing now. Anyway, I think that's going to do it for the news. Um, a couple of interesting things, but nothing super spectacular in my opinion. Um, moving on to, let's move on to what we've been playing since the last time we had a show. A couple of new things here that I'd like to get some of your guys' thoughts on. Um, the one that's sticking out to me the most right now, though, is Michael, I want to hear your thoughts on No Man's Sky. You, you went and finally picked it up, and I'm curious to see how it lived up to your expectations. Um, well, I I picked it up because I already like that sort of game, like where you don't have to do much besides you know resource gathering, turn that turn turn those resources into something else, and then just continue resource building things that I don't know. It's like obviously it's like Minecraft, and mm -hmm. everybody loved Minecraft. Now, now Without for some building. It, well, they have building now. Eventually, so you have to abandon your planet. I'm pretty sure you can go back. Yeah, did that I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure you can. Um, I didn't play it too much. Uh, this is not really a guilty pleasure for me, but I just I thought I'd pick it up. Um, just to play and try it out, see what's different, especially with the couple new updates they've had. Um, I, I, I don't know. I still see the tediousness of it, of why everyone hated it. I, I mean, they have, they still lied about like <laughs> a ton of shit that should have been in the game that wasn't. And they, the, the game 
I, I watched it like the, the week it came out. I was watching it all the time and it looked unfinished. It's better now. There are a lot more animals. Um, I know that was a huge complaint from people that that many animals or birds or anything on the planets. There are actually a ton now. Like every planet I've been on has had enough animals like to just like running around like anywhere you looked, you'd see at least one. Hmm. And at times you'd have like 50 of them. So, and they also added those uh pretty sure back when it first came out, they didn't have like the giant ones, they're like the one that looks like a They do have giant ones as ridiculous as they look because obviously it's like all randomly generated, so they could have a tiny fucking head but a giant body. Um, they mm-hmm. have those now. I mean, it's still tedious for anyone who d- hates that about a game. It's not. I'm not gonna change your mind about it. Right. <laughs> it's it, it's the same thing basically. Like, there's not. They can't change that core part about the game. Other than, it might get more fun if they add multiplayer. But that's a touchy subject. So, talk about that. <laughs> No, it's been sitting there in my Steam library. Every once in a while, I look at it. I'm like, hmm. There's that little bugger. I might have to reinstall and play it sometime. Maybe. I mean, if the, they have multiplayer. That would be, be that. Yeah, that would be an instant reinstall right there. Because that game would actually be quite entertaining in a multiplayer. Just kind of the randomness that you may encounter from time to time. Perfect for that kind of setting. Yeah. But we'll see. Um, I wouldn't say the updates have been very frequent, but they do come in pretty decent sizes, so good on them for not just taking all the money they earned in running, I guess. With with these free things that people would, like Activision would have made... Hmm. base building and shit and having cars I'm <laughs> a company like that Activision would have made that DLC in a game like this because it's a big step away from what they the game was originally to add building and add cars to this it almost seems against the entire point of the game yeah it's not the direction I thought they would go especially with the first updates you know, first updates, I was thinking, you know, fix fix mining problems, fix, um, like, other planetary problems, fix uh, multiplayer, mm-hmm. and uh, fix the fact that, like, you can't go back to other planets, or the storyline is lacking, or there technically shouldn't be a center of the universe, or other things like that. The whole, the way they're going, I don't know where they're exactly they're going before they are going to give up and be like hey we're making a second one that's going to be better I feel like that's coming at some point they're just going to announce that and then give up on No Man's Sky unless they want to spend like the next two years uh, developing more things for No Man's Sky I don't know yeah it's kind of weird I mean eventually you're going to hit a point where producing the new content's just not financially worth it I wonder when they'll get yeah. to that point. 
they've got to be losing money by now. I don't know anyone that's like, oh my god, No Man's Sky is on sale for $30, let's go get it. <laughs> I felt bad spending that much on it. <laughs> yeah, so, I guess that's, that's that. It's probably not as bad as people were saying. Definitely kind of a one of the bigger controversies of last year. That game. Definitely not a game for most people. No. Not at all. Um, I, so I finally got around to clearing out some of the games in my backlog, which is kind of a scary task. Cause some of the games I tend to keep in my backlog are really long kind. You know how it is, don't you? Uh, probably if I had to go back and play my backlog of every game that I bought and wanted to play, considering I, when it comes to like game series, I would buy the entire series. <laughs> I probably have like three or four months worth of games to play. That's perfect. You can just take a four, three or four month vacation and get through it all. No broke and no internet, but you're fine. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so I decided I was going to focus on, uh, like, the DLCs I haven't gotten around to finishing yet. For games that were, I, I got the season pass, and I was just like, I'll, I'll get to this eventually. The season pass will come, maybe come back. Well, I came back. <laughs> I, like, eventually came back, and I went and played through all of uh, the DLC for Fallout 4 there. Um, which, actually a relatively enjoyable experience. Um, the smaller DLC packs were not really anything special and I probably would not bother to get them on my on their own like a what was it like the vault one where you're the overseer the vault one was the like one or two quests that came with it were kind of entertaining but once I was done I just was like okay I don't really feel like sticking around and building anything yeah like I didn't I was the same way I didn't want to sit there and put all of the time into actually building a vault. I know they they emphasize that it's your vault. You can build it, but I don't know. Like being lazy and you, not creative. Once you're actually down to... there, you're just like I yeah, I'd rather be outside where there's sunshine. Yeah, I me being lazy and not creative. I was like, I don't want to design an entire fucking vault. And I yeah, I I, I didn't go back to it. Screw it. I don't. It would have been cool if I could have made it and all this, but I would have liked like a pre-made vault that I can just customize just as much. Right. Um, I think the the two highlights of the DLC there are the definitely the Far Harbor and Nuka World. Those are definitely the standout ones. And. Contrary to the popular opinion, I think, I actually preferred Far Harbor to Nuka World. I feel like most people talk about Nuka World, but I found myself really enjoying the storyline and the setting of Far Harbor a lot. I like um I like the Far Harbor story better and I like Nuka World um area better. If that makes sense. I could see I it. didn't like I didn't like uh Nuka Cola World too much it was a cool concept that you know you could become um 
a raider and all that, but I was never one of those people that was a little bit sadistic and was like, I just want to kill everyone. <laughs> like, yes, that's cool for a little bit, and like I'll do it, you know, every once in a while. I'll just like I just want to kill things for a while. I'll save and I go kill things, and I'll just load the save because I'm not that type of person that wants to go around killing everything. Right. So I get that some people have that raider instinct, but I guess I'm not that sadistic. Not being. Yeah. You're not sadistic I didn't, yeah, enough. I, I didn't like. I didn't like that. And I know there's an option that you don't have to do too much. You could literally just go in and kill the raiders if you want. I just. You could. I don't know. I feel like it was a. It was a chance that. It would have been cooler almost if they would have incorporated um, Brotherhood of Steel. And yes. And and the railroad and and stuff like into those like same areas as the factions, but as those people. And I know that probably would have. We can't show we can't show favorites that. now. Yeah, well, some people wouldn't have liked that just because they're like, we already see enough of the Brotherhood or the railroad or the Minutemen or whatever. We wanted something different. But I mean, I I thought it would have been cool if it would have tied into like the end of the main quest. Like you, if you you pick who you want to win, and they win Nuka Coral World and the rest of the game, <laughs> it would have been cool. Would have been an interesting thing to happen, but alas, I think what we ultimately got was a little on the boring side. They were just like, here's a couple of areas and a short little storyline to follow, and somehow, despite all the odds, you still become like the leader of the new area, and you get all the cool stuff, and then you can go back to where you were. Uh, Bethesda for you. That's that is the Bethesda way of doing over more games. <laughs> I did, I did notice though that there were le- a lot less um, egg like things in. A lot, um, like, a lot less what? Like, e- not like Easter eggs, I guess, but like just the. Uh, Little things that you'd have to read between the lines or like mm-hmm. pay attention to to notice, um, like the story behind things, almost like you have to do in like Dark Souls. But like it happens a lot in the Fallout and Skyrim, um, and not Skyrim, Fallout and Elder Scrolls games, where like there's story behind certain things, where there's put in the world where like who's talking to who, but there was there wasn't very much of that in. Um, Nuka Cola World, and I I don't know, I expected a ton mm. of Easter eggs with it being like, you know, so. You could have had like Disney themed Easter eggs or something. Yeah, or something like that. I think there was at least one Disney thing, if I do remember right, but it's been a while since I played it. I couldn't say. Yeah, like for me, I feel like Nuka World, there was a, too much fetch questy kind of things where you're just like, okay, you gotta go here and collect all the things. All right, come here and collect all the things and then kill all the things. It got a little tedious there by the end. But um, yeah, that, that, that brought Fallout 4 to a close. And, you know, not everyone may have been a fan of it, but I thought Fallout 4 ultimately was a pretty decent game all around. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite Fallout games, but definitely entertained me for quite a few hours. I think... If you looked at my Steam profile, I'm now totaling like 163 hours to get all of the endings and go through all the DLC at least once. 
I forgot how many <laughs> I have. Two hundred and sixty-one hours on one playthrough. I'm pretty sure you've just been sitting there AFK for a while. Okay, uh, well, we'll like keep, like add like forty of those are AFK hours, but that's still like two hundred something hours fair, on fair that enough. character who's like level eighty something or ninety something. Open <laughs> like God, I didn't even make it that high. I think my character like in the upper fifties or something like that. Yeah, I I went around and I found um like all of the behemoths and all of the the queens and all <laughs> all of the really big stuff that gets you a lot of XP. Wow. Yeah, so I guess now um now begins the wait for Bethesda's next RPG, whatever that may be. Wink wink. Hint. <clears throat> what could it be? <laughs> Yeah, so um, besides that, though, I've been spending a lot of my time uh, also playing through the DLC of the uh, The Witcher Three on on my stream channel. Uh and I mean, I guess this shouldn't be surprising, but the story and the quality of the writing and just like the quests in general for the DLCs have been on par, if not even better, than The Witcher Three's base game. Like Which is saying a lot. It's like, yeah, we're going to make slightly shorter but even sweeter content from the main game, and you guys are going to enjoy it. And it's like, yeah, we we enjoy this good stuff. It's almost like playing like The Witcher 2 inside of The Witcher 3. Basically. Because uh, the, the first one, The Hearts of Stone, is a pretty small DLC, all things considered. But the storyline for it is quite good, like very good. I enjoyed that and enjoyed a lot of the characters. And it, you know, it's like okay, here's you know, like maybe a new mechanic for, uh, rune cra- getting runes for your weapons so that they're better. And like, I here's a couple of new armor pieces, and that was kind of it. Uh, Blood and Wine, though, the second one is the big one, the one that you really should be looking at, because that basically adds an entire new region to the game. Which, if you've played the Witcher Three's base game, an entire region is. Like the size of an entire game from another series. Yeah. Like these areas are ginormous. It'll take you several minutes just to go from one end to the other while going to full speed on horseback. But yeah, like I, I really enjoyed how, uh, not no spoilers, but like Blood and Wine is this big, like almost like a detective story. It's medieval fantasy style, so it's really entertaining so far. I'm looking forward to probably playing the last half of that sometime later this week. Um, yeah, but that, like that, See, I've been spending a lot of my time on. See, like you, everybody giving all this praise to Witcher Three just makes me more hyped for Cyberpunk oh, 2077. Can you believe that the teaser trailer for Cyberpunk came out four years ago? Right. I couldn't believe it. I went and watched it the, again the other day. I'm like, oh my god, this came out in 2013. This game was announced four years ago, and we still don't have any idea when it may be coming out. I heard 2019 was the last estimate. But yeah, apparently they're, uh, people that are funding them are putting a little bit of pressure on them to... No, you know, maybe start wrapping up. You know, let's let's not make this the biggest game of all time, but let's get something I mean, pretty good out there. You know, 
if uh, they can make Witcher three that good, I'm. I'll be a. I have surprised that they can make a better yeah. one. I have a lot of confidence in CD Projekt Red's ability to make a good game. After six years of development, like it's amazing. Like you just look at the first Witcher game. You know, it was kind of interesting. It wasn't well made by any stretch of the imagination, but just from each title since then, the amount of improvements they've made have been ridiculously, just like ridiculous. Like first game is like, okay, it's pretty competent for her first attempt. Like, you know, not bad. They could go places. Witcher 2 comes out. You're like, oh my God, this is like one of the best RPGs of the year. Like, yeah, they can compete with other people. And then The Witcher 3 comes out, and they're like, yeah, yeah, this is one of the best games of all time. I I wonder what they're going to do next. Cyberpunk 2077. Coming when it's done. I'm just imagining, like, a Witcher 3 RoboCop crossover. Sounds good to me. I mean, that's basically what I've always wanted. (laughs) Haven't we all? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so what what have you been playing, Noah? I noticed uh, you've been playing a couple of interesting things lately. Yeah. Um, so those of you who don't know, I recently uh, started a new PC build. And one of the first parts was a 1080. Mm-hmm, fair enough. So this enabled me to go back and try out a game I hadn't touched in a long time, which was Star Citizen, because it was just a very intensive game to run. Um, and I think they're on patch 2.61 maybe not 6.1 maybe just 6 um it definitely has a very dedicated niche Mm -hmm. um it's like one of the most well privately or publicly funded games i think ever i want to say like upwards of 300 million during their campaign um but they're getting they're like on the edge of expanding it to its like uh, free roam capabilities, so like now you can uh, get a ship and uh, like warp to different stations and hubs and trade depots and satellites and stuff like that. Um, but planets haven't really been a big thing. You'd either have to go through a menu to get to a planet, or uh, just load into a planet. Which is, you know, kind of takes you out of the immersion. So what they debuted a couple months ago was their new system of uh, interplanetary, I don't know, landing and launching. Mm-hmm. So you can basically just pick a ship up from a depot, take off from that planet and fly seamlessly out into space. And then vice versa, you can take off from a satellite and fly back into the ship. Um so that's like a very big part of the game that I feel like once they get that up, a lot of development will just kind of take off because uh, that's basically the structure for the game. So then they can just fill in uh, all the economy and gameplay mechanics. Um, not to say that it's not worth playing right now. I know there's a lot of missions and ways to generate currency and there's uh, the firefight mode where you can go into your ship and just go around and fly around and shoot people. And there's also first person like kind of shooter style. If you don't want to fly a ship, you can run around in first person, shoot people. Um, they do have a campaign that's coming out called Squadron Forty Two, which um, I don't know when the release is, but I've uh, they've got some pretty good mm-hmm. names on it for voice acting. 
And I mean, the animations can be beautiful. So you don't have to worry about any uh, drama effects or anything like that. <laughs> but uh, right. like, I think Mark Hamill's voicing a character, and there's a few other big names up in there. Uh, it's still not finished. It's still got a long ways, just because they spend a lot of, a lot of time on details and fixing things and perfecting mm -hmm. them before they release them. And you can see that because they they're very active with the community. I think every week they post a video of the devs talking about things. They stream a lot. They have Q and A sessions, and they have like a, a pretty open development cycle, which is kind of nice. You can kind of see where your money's going to. Um, but yeah, I kind of see it as like a uh, a polished. I don't know. I want to say take uh, Black Desert Online and put it in space, but then kind of okay. refine it to more so it doesn't fall into a lot of the MMO trap tropes. Mm -hmm. So it kind of feels more wholesome and more like a game, like a normal adventure style game, RPG style game. Every but, yeah. I don't know. Every once in a while, a Star Citizen tech demo of some sorts will come across my YouTube feed, and I'll watch it. I'm just like, oh my god, this thing looks incredible. Like, they've been putting so much work and effort into this, like, little physics changes or, like, the way the animations are for this thing, how they went about developing character movement or whatever, just, just like, little things like that. Yeah. And, and yeah, like you said, like, they've been very active on social media with their fan base probably rightfully so um they were originally kickstarted correct yeah it was like the I biggest think it had hold, still holds records for the most biggest kickstarter for, yeah 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 so that, yeah, i know, think several hundred million was put into it more than enough to fund pretty much any game but yeah i mean and you see it the the modeling and the animations and the gameplay is pretty sound like they, they like i said they're perfectionists so they don't really put anything into the game till it's uh polished that's why kind of development cycles a little bit slower than usual alpha and betas um but i feel like it'll it'll pick up pretty quickly once they get the interplanetary travel system in because then they can start implementing the economy more ways to generate economy and then like the the culture inside the game will start to develop mm -hmm. and then we'll kind of just start building the player base a little bit right yeah because it's like really hard to explain all the different facets of the the game without you know going into detail but i will say you know it does the uh all the bases as far as economy and combat and roles and stuff like that even yeah. though... I, I'd say uh, check it out and just to look yeah. at it because it's a lot of information to take in at once. So just kind of like maybe look at it every once in a while just to see what it's about. Even though it's still very much like a incomplete game, it's was it early access or is it beta? What, like what is it in right now? Do they have a yeah? Era? So it, it's kind of weird. Um, you have to buy a ship basically to get access to it. Okay, and the ship prices are pretty steep. And some of the ships might not be available anymore. I know they were more readily available when they were still in like their active uh, like Kickstarter cycle. So I know I bought into the game for like 60 bucks, which gave me a fully loaded ship, um, access to the game, and then access to the single player when it comes out, the story mode. Okay. 
Um, so I can jump on any time and go and play the dog fighting or racing matchmaking or their first person shooting matchmaking, or I can just go to the, the servers they have up and explore what they've built so far. It's like having but I know multiple some... games in one. Yeah, um, I know some of the ships are like ranging. You could get a ship for like forty dollars, and then some of them are like three thousand. So. Oh my. Yeah. Well, I mean, those are like the huge like capital ships. So it's kind of structured like Eve. But I don't know if that was just for the the fundraising portion, and then they'll bring down the prices when the actual game comes out. I mean, so we'll see. I would I would assume they have ideas for like a. A low cost and like a low cost entry of barriers that you can maybe then start off as some sort of a worker and work your way up to a better ship, maybe. Right, because like right off the bat, the ships between forty and sixty dollars. I think they offer three different types and ones. Like I picked the one that was focused on trading, okay. more so where it has like an extra cargo bay or something. There's one for fighting, and I think there might be one for exploring. Okay. Those are just like the three main branches of roles in the system. So. Sounds quite fascinating. But yeah, despite the fact it's not finished, it seems like Star Citizen's really making a strong argument for being the premier space game out there right now. I mean, I don't know what what their projected timeline is, but I mean, so far it looks pretty good. I'd say if you can get a ship for under 60 or 60 bucks it'd be worth for what it is right now because i know they'll guarantee the single player which will probably be worth it in its own probably but alone the racing and the fighting and the single uh, stuff like that that's good to hear uh so i want to i want to hear more about little game you've been playing called ultimate chicken horse <laughs> now if that name alone yeah. doesn't pique your interest i don't know what will um, yeah, so back when we started this, I kind of said that how I transitioned from more of a single player adventure style gamer into like a social gamer. So, like every now and then I've been like picking up these couch co-op games. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, like on a rarity that my, my schedule aligned with someone else's, I'll have them over and we'll play some co couch co-op games. And this one stuck out to me because I'd seen it um, when it was in early access not too long ago, but then I saw it had a release on Steam. So I had to pick it up, and it's only like $15. But basically, it's like a platformer um, where there's no platform initially, and you have to get from point A to point B. And each round, you get to pick a part that will either help you or harm you on trying to get to point A to point B. So you have to kind of struggle between making it easy enough for you to get across, but hard enough for the other players to get across. Okay. So like apart from like standard wood platforms to like moving platforms to like crossbows or tennis ball or hockey puck shooters and ice, uh, like glue or teleporters and stuff like that. It, uh, it opens up some pretty interesting gameplay mechanics. Yeah, I'm just so, like it's like watching a brief uh, video of it right now to get a better idea of what it's like. I could just imagine all the possibilities of trolling your couch partner there with your contraptions and the yeah. obstacles you put in front of them. It also offers multiplayer um, online, so if you don't have someone you can sit down with, you can play online, so you're not left out. 
That's fantastic. Seems like a very, very fun looking title to consider if uh, you're someone that partakes in co-op frequently. But yeah, I thought it was worth it. And it's pretty fun. Um, I don't know if they're going to add anything to it. Maybe like part packs or map packs, but it comes with mm-hmm. 10, 10 maps you can play on. And then I don't know the part number, but I mean, it's been enough to feel some intense right. nights around here. Yeah, it's definitely not bad. Well, then it's probably like 15 bucks. And interesting enough, if you guys have a wireless adapter or haven't bought one yet for your computer for Xbox One controllers, one adapter can support up to eight controllers. Well, that's pretty awesome. I didn't know that. <laughs> so for a while, we had one person on the wireless one and then three people with like the most janky USB <laughs> whip tying all the controllers together. You won't make that mistake again. Yeah, but I, I was... Looking into it, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to get more of these. Or, and I Googled it, and it's like one of the first things under the description of the product that it can sort up to eight controllers. And I was like, oh. <laughs> well, then. That's awesome. Awesome. Got to get more Xbox One controllers. For but that was just a side note. I just want to throw it in in case you want to drop more money on some stuff you don't need. <laughs> Perfect. All right, I think the uh, the last game we have to talk about is one that we've all been playing pretty heavily over the past weekend. Actually, that was um, the recently released Player Unknown's Battlegrounds on Steam Early Access. For those that are not familiar with what Battlegrounds is, it's basically the newest entry in a line of these battle royale esque Hunger Games shooter game, Hunger Game shooter games, whatever you want to call them, where it's uh. Battle to the death, free-for-all kind of scenario where ultimately you just want to survive longer than everyone else and get to the very end to be the last one alive. But it takes place on a giant map that's, that's actually miles wide. Like, you have a lot of ground to cover if you decide to go on foot, um, go around scavenging houses to find guns, ammo, armor, other equipment, and use a variety of tactics to take out the enemy players. Uh, so here's to hear what you guys have to say about this title and how it may compare to other similar games you have played. Uh, well, I, I usually am pretty hesitant when I see like a battle Royale style zombie kind of thing mm-hmm. oriented like apocalypse thing, just because it's been so saturated lately. Uh, but I will say this is probably the first game since when the original DayZ Mod 2 came out that I've had fun on of that genre. I mean, H1Z1 was a good in-between, um, but com- in comparison, this one felt so much better. There's something to Battlegrounds that I have not really seen out of any of these other games since maybe maybe the Arma 3 Battle Royale mod, which is quality. There, there's a level yeah. of quality here where I don't feel like I'm spending most of my time fighting against the mechanics of the game or the engine itself to play. It it does just kind of work out of the box. And, you know, there's a couple of glitches here and there still. Like, don't get me wrong, but for a game that was just released in early access, that's quite polished compared to other games in this genre. I'd say it's on better standing than H1Z1 right now. Yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't argue against that. 
H1Z1's been in early access for what, like two, three years now? Something yeah. like that. And this game just kind of comes out and it's like, yeah, we're already like better than you. I just alone the the bullet and gun mechanics of this game are like top notch. They actually work. It's like playing a triple A first person shooter almost. Right. It's it's not exactly like this, but it's almost like comparing the mecha- the shooting mechanics of a Call of Duty game to like college students' first first person shooter. It's like okay, let's yeah. let's feel the difference in the controls here. Uh, I felt like where I shot, my bullets went, and what I hit, I hit. You know, like and you got rewarded for it. It wasn't like um, it was like a disconnect between where you're aiming and what you're hitting. Sure. Um, and you know, I really like I hand it to the developers of this title. Um, they've been very good about being communicative on social media, and they're committed to rolling out at least some sort of an update every. I think it's every couple of weeks at the at the latest. But uh, I've been seeing them. You know, whenever servers start to act up, they usually get online and they start letting the people know what's going on within an hour. And then it's usually fixed pretty quick after that. So like they've been good. Uh definitely a developer I have a bit of confidence in to maybe actually see this game through to the end rather than just having it die in early access. Maybe it'll actually reach a point where they can release the game. Maybe I'm hopeful, but I, I can actually see it happening. Yeah. And you can actually go to their Reddit page and there's a full list of of the dev notes, I think is either bi-weekly or monthly. It might even be weekly. I don't know, but they have their full roadmap of what they plan on adding um, into the game. And then there's obviously the full discussion below it. So mm-hmm. if you're interested, you can check that out. I was, uh, I was listening to an interview of his and uh, I think he mentioned that because of uh, the unreal engine that the game's built on, uh, he, they're actually planning on incorporating mod support so that if you want to create custom scenarios or maybe custom models, it should be something you may be able to implement on servers in the future, which be nice. that's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Steam mods in workshop would be fantastic. That alone would just take this game to another level. That's it's already <laughs> already above everything else that's out right now. Yeah, like the game itself is, uh, you know, it's quite a bit of fun going out there, and sure, it may not be for everyone the the whole battle royale death match kind of scenario, but kind of uh, kind of interesting to see how it plays out in the scenarios that you can get into other players in the game. It's still a really cool scene, like at the start of the game when everyone hops in that plane and you're just like sitting there next to like hundred other people waiting to drop into the battle zone. It can be pretty intense sometimes. Yeah, that, that's uh, something I think we'll be continuing to play on and off for, for a little while yet. Uh, not, I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to mention. Well, was was there any other games you guys wanted to bring up? Oh, I played uh, a little bit, like three or four hours worth of Andromeda. Oh. And uh, for Mass Effect fans, um, story is still Mass Effect-like. And you're probably still going to like it. Um, animations are rough, <laughs> and 
what you see, you'll see a lot of GIFs and videos and stuff of crazy things happening with animations. And that'll probably happen, unfortunately. Um, I never let that distract me too much from greatness of a game. Um, uh, this game probably won't live up to the other Mass Effects, but it's still a good Mass Effect game. Um, they have changed the the um, uh, the like uh, Renegade and what was the other one again? Paragon. Yeah, Renegade and Paragon are no longer like it's not that um, like there's no it's not just good and bad now. There's now four options that aren't necessarily Renegade or Paragon, like re necessarily good or bad. Um, and uh, so it, it feels less like direct with that, and you could be a lot more dialogue to pick from. A little bit there more room still, to like, roleplay. Yeah, there are, there's still the quick time actions that could be good or bad based on you know the situation and what you do decide to act to. Um, but there's a lot of, uh, tediousness of it because it's Mass Effect's first open world game, which I don't know, I, I don't know if I've ever really wanted Mass Effect to be this open world. Like, <laughs> like I know it takes place in space, but come on. Like, it, it's cool, but these maps are huge and running through them is very tedious. Driving the crappy car is very tedious. I have a bad feeling that the fact that this world is this game is open world is going to be a big downfall to it. Um, like I said, I think the story is going to be good. I didn't finish it. I, I'm not going to buy it for a while. I only rented it. I'm not going to buy it until it goes down in price a little bit. Um, but I will eventually just for the storyline because I like Mass Effect. But I have a bad feeling that like this, you're gonna the tediousness of this open world might be too much for some people. Is it kind of Ubisoft in a way, or is it different? Um, it's not tedious with side quests. It's tedious with how big the the freaking map is. Like the these each area is huge. You have a really shitty car, which. <laughs> It's it's not good. It, it's not a good rover. It. Um, well, to be fair, shitty cars is kind of Mass Effect's mantra. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it. I don't know. It wasn't done too well. The open world part, like they did the Mass Effect part of the game, which is good, other than the animations. But the open world part, I think, was a a, a big step that. Would have been cool if done right and given the time, but I don't know. It, it's definitely not on par to other open world games. It seems like it may be a solid game to like in what you did, like rent it or maybe buy it when it goes on sale in a year or so. Well, if you want to rent it, I almost don't recommend renting just because. It's gonna, it's still gonna take a long time to beat, because um, it is a Mass Effect game, and now that you also have to run across an entire world every time you want to do a mission, it may even take longer than normal Mass Effect games. Oh no! To be fair, the other Mass Effects are not 
that long, but still kind of annoying to hear. Yeah. And was there uh, was there anything else you wanted to bring up? I don't think so. I think that's uh, gonna do it for the uh, the games we've been playing since the last episode. Uh, as far as games to look forward to for next month, for those that are looking to purchase something new, um, some of the standout titles that are be coming out in April here are Persona Five, uh, a remastered edition of Bulletstorm called the Full Clip Edition. Uh, the return, I guess, like a revival of the 3D platformer games we've not seen since Banjo Kazooie will be here in the form of Ukulele. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy will be the newest Telltale game to come out with uh, episode one premiere in sometime in mid April. Horror fans have Outlast 2 to look forward to. Uh, RTS fans have Warhammer 40k Dawn of War 3 to look forward to. Although now that StarCraft's coming out, there may be some competition. See how that plays out. And if you were one of the lucky few to get a Nintendo Switch, you have Mario Kart 8 Deluxe Edition. Featuring improvements to the battle mode. And I know personally, I just got my Switch like two days ago. I'm very much looking forward to wrapping up the Witcher 3 playthrough I'm doing and getting started on Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. So if you guys don't hear from me for a while, that that's the reason. Yeah. I'll be yeah. deep into some deep into some adventuring. Don't worry, as soon as I get it. I'll be the same. <laughs> be like, okay, welcome to Mouse and Joystick. We're... Mike, Mike, Michael, where'd you go? Michael. <laughs> I, I'll probably be playing Legend of Zelda as I'm talking on the next <laughs> one. <laughs> Did you know the physics in this game are amazing? <laughs> I'll just say that every, like, five minutes. That's, that's what I'll... That's, Shh, I'm talking to Princess podcast. Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I can't hear the story. Shut up. <laughs> right. So I guess that's what I'm going to be doing. Mainly. Do, you, do you have any gaming plans for the next month or so? Or are you just worried about the vacation you have coming up? I have the vacation. I don't blame you. Sounds like a good time. Anyway, before we sign off here, I just want to inform the listeners here in case they have missed the announcement on social media. Uh, but we are now actually on Patreon in a, a sorts. Uh, we are part of the Podcast Empire Network, home to multiple other shows, including Shanlin on Batman, Lords of Film, and Hey Entertain Me, and of course, Mouse and Joystick. Uh, so if you listen to any of those shows, or even just our own show, and you want to consider giving us a little bit of monetary support, we'd greatly appreciate just you checking out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Podcast Empire Network checking out some of the rewards and goals we have there. And, but of course, even if you can't contribute in that fashion, we just love hearing, we just love seeing you here listening to the show. Uh, with that being said, I don't have anything else I would like to add unless you guys do. All right then. So that's going to wrap up episode 12 of Mouse and Joystick here for the month of March. And we hope to see you guys here next time. Wake me.